Hey entrepreneurs and website owners, if you're ready to take your online presence to the next level, you need a reliable web host. And that's where HostGator comes in. HostGator is your one-stop solution for easy, affordable, and powerful web hosting. Whether you're launching a blog, an online store, or anything in between, HostGator's got you covered. Don't miss out on creating the website you've always wanted. Visit foxcitiesmm.com slash HostGator today and let your journey begin. You're listening to Fox City's Murder and Mayhem, your bi-weekly dose of true crime history in a small rural community of Wisconsin. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Fox City's Murder and Mayhem. I'm Eric. I'm Gavin. And Gavin, we're back again. Yes. Looks like we got a story that I think a lot of people will probably very much remember. I think so. Is that true? That's true. And I still don't believe that this is 50 years old. Well, you well, you'll see. Okay. <laughs> so, so what are we talking about? Right before I even get into this, I want to put it out there that this is a listener discretion advised episode. Okay. And I know this is a true crime podcast and we talk about murders every week, but I think this one has some very sensitive parts to it that certain people may not want to hear. So if you are sensitive to children being mistreated, this episode is not, not for, for you. you. <laughs> okay. That being said, this is part one of a two-part episode. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Quite a story here, huh? <laughs> yeah. This is this is David Spanbauer part one, and I call part one sex terrorist, which is taken from an actual newspaper headline. Oh, that, really? that is not my term. <laughs> that is that is what the newspaper called him. David Frank Spanbauer was born January nineteen forty one. His parents were Frank and Evelyn Spanbauer. Um, they had both been born in Oshkosh, lived there their whole lives. Frank worked as a machinist for Wisconsin Axle Division. I don't, I don't know what that is, but I know what a machinist is. So, <laughs> okay. Uh, Frank, the father, died in March 1956 in Oshkosh at only 44 years old. Uh, exactly what he died of, I don't know, uh, but his obituary said that he had been ill for four years. So, whatever it was, he got sick young. Yeah, and fought it for a long time, huh? Yeah. In addition to David, uh, Frank left behind daughters Mary Kay and Judith Ann. Evelyn would later get remarried to another man, but I don't think that happens in the time period we're talking about. David attended Oshkosh High School, but dropped out his sophomore year, which would be roughly 1957, and he began working very sporadically in the construction business. Was his dropping out related to his father dying? I'm not sure, but it does kind of time out that way. There are some indications that he may have also tried to join the Navy, um, but if he did, he wasn't very successful in that. <laughs> uh, in April 1958, he was driving a car with his friend uh, Curtis Schultz as passenger. They got into a minor accident. The cars were uh, were quite damaged, but the only injury was Curtis getting a bump on his knee. Uh, this isn't important, other than the fact it's the only time he comes up in the newspaper before things go very wrong. <laughs> His friend Curtis uh, is young enough that he could very well still be alive today. You know, I would love to hear from that person if <laughs> if they're willing. 
um, because knowing uh, childhood David Spanbauer stories, I think would be, be very interesting. Very yeah. interesting, yes. So now here we go. Are you ready for this wild roller coaster ride? I am. Okay. David Spanbauer is now 19 years old. I could do this the way that it played out and not tell you who the criminal is until he's caught, mm-hmm. but I didn't because <laughs> you already know. No. <clears throat> so the mystery is ruined. <laughs> January 4th, 1960, Spanbauer burglarizes a house in Appleton, stealing a 22 pistol. The same day, he committed a home invasion and armed robbery of Mrs. Winifred Knudsen and Nina. January 12th, about a week later, Spanbauer broke into a house around 7 p.m. Oh, and this is, this is the, by the way, this is the, the part. If you, if you are sensitive, this is the part. Okay. January 12th, 1960, Spanbauer broke into a house around 7 p.m. and robbed a 12-year-old girl on the south side of Appleton while her mother slept in another room. The girl at first thought it was a joke but soon gave the intruder about $75 that she knew her parents had. With a white handkerchief covering his face, he then took her out behind the garage and tried to rape her. Her clothes were partially removed, but Spanbauer fled when he heard a noise. The girl screamed and woke her mother, who called police. A doctor examined the girl and confirmed that an attempted attack took place, but luckily the worst injury seemed to be a bruise on her face. And what the doctor saw, I have no idea. Later that very same evening, he traveled to Green Bay and broke into the home of engineer Alton Cardinal at 1093 Reed Street, which is near Green Bay West High School, for people familiar with Green Bay, around 9.30 p.m. The property was a double lot with a large vegetable garden. Cardinal had an interesting history. In his youth, he worked for the Ringling Brothers Circus. He was a veteran of World War II and a friend of Bob Bennett, the commissioner of the Bureau of Indian Affairs. He helped design highway projects and spent time in Arkansas working on flood control. Cardinal had known his share of tragedy already at this point in his life. Of his three children, two of them died from polio. Uh, The third child, Peter, was now seven years old and was home in this house. Cardinal and his wife were not home, but he was out for the evening uh, at a PTA meeting, of all places. In the house, Spanbauer found the Cardinal's niece, uh, who is 16 years old. She was babysitting Peter. Uh, I am not going to say her name out of politeness. Um, It is in my notes, and it will be on the website, but I'm not going to say on the air. She she's come forward being public about it, so it's not like I'm exposing like her or her something. Or yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you can you can find it. Like it's not hard. I just don't want to say it okay. on the air. While she was playing the piano, Spanbauer burst into the room, catching her completely off guard. With his gun pointed at her, Spanbauer overpowered the girl and tied her either to the piano stool or to a bed in the next room. The reports vary on this, but the bed seems to be what actually happened. With the gun pointed at her the whole time, Spanbauer even had her retrieve a knife from the kitchen for him to use on her. Wow. A pretty bold move. He used a chalk line found in a cupboard uh, to tie her up. And a chalk line, I'm I'm picturing this um, 
Like those things you snap. Right. To and make the straight line. Make a, a straight wall line. Or wall or whatever construction thing you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I would agree with that. She wanted to scream, but feared that doing so would put Peter in danger. At that moment, Spanbauer probably did not know that there was another child in the house. The Cardinals returned home from their PTA meeting. Uh, at first, Alton waited in the car so he could drive his niece home, um, and his wife, Beatrice, went in to fetch her. Entering the house, the niece yelled out to stay back, still instinctively trying to protect others while she was being assaulted. Beatrice told Alton, and he burst in to stop the attack. Although it was too late to help his niece, Spanbauer fled and shot at Alton as he left. He was shot in the bottom of his jaw, Ooh, the bullet go- going up and lodging in his cheek. Somehow it didn't shatter any bones or hit any major arteries, but it was pretty bad in that uh, his face swelled up for a long time and he was unable to speak for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Police set up a roadblock, but it was not successful. Asking around, police soon discovered a number of people who had witnessed young men trespassing, including one who exposed himself to two teenage girls through a window. None of the reports were ever matched to Spanbauer, and apparently men were often trespassing and exposing themselves (laughs) in Green Bay, Uh, which that's kind of concerning. Yeah, Uh, very much so. Yeah, people people weren't reporting it, but once they were going around asking neighbors, they're like, oh yeah, people do that all the time around here. Spanbauer later said he saw the roadblock set up moments after he passed through, so he went out of the city limits. From there, he found two hitchhikers. You don't got a beverage with you. No, I don't. I'm going to take my drink now. (laughs) From there, he found two hitchhikers, and he gave them a ride to to Kakana and immediately went home to Oshkosh. That was my drinking for Kakana (laughs) moment. Yeah. I don't know who the hitchhikers are. I wish I did. The very next night, Spanbauer broke into the Martin Kudalag house in Wauwatosa. This guy gets around. Among other things, he stole a thirty-eight pistol. Now he had two pistols, or he could dump the old one to avoid police tracing the bullet. So he's not always just breaking in for ass- to assault somebody. No. A lot of times he's just breaking in to obtain things, basically, from the sounds of it. Yeah. I mean, later on they would say that um, his motivation was definitely sexual. Um, even if there wasn't anybody home, he must have got some kind of a thrill out of that. February 1st, there's a Milwaukee burglary at the home of Mrs. Grace E. Fennell. She was home at the time, but screamed when he entered the room and fled out the front door. Which, that's all she had to do. She got away. In mid-February 1960, Spanbauer, still 19 years old, was caught in Sheboygan. While Sheboygan police were looking for a suspected prowler, a car belonging to James Horn had been ransacked. The cops watched the area until they saw a man enter a stranged parked car. It was Spanbauer, and he was held for carrying a concealed weapon and for petty larceny. The thirty-eight was in his car, and several thirty-eight shells were in his pockets. The newspaper does not say why the car was strange, why his parked car is strange. <laughs> um, so I don't know what he was doing that made it stand out. But that that is not my word. That is the report. But it's crazy because uh, so far you have not talked about him actually getting in any sort of trouble for any of this stuff. And it doesn't sound like he's 
Like, are these things that we now know he did, but at the time they never figured out who this person was? Yeah, we're at that. We're at that point now, where they didn't. Most of these were just unsolved until they caught him years and years later. As basically. no, not even years and years later, because this is this is January and February nineteen sixty. This is all within like a month, a month and, a, and half. a half. Yeah, I mean the guy's been busy. Yeah, holy crap! Uh, he was brought to court almost immediately, and Spanbauer pleaded guilty to the petty larceny and concealed weapon. The judge fined him $25 for the theft and put him on probation for one year for having the gun. He was let go. However, the gun traced to the previous burglary where he stole it from. Mm-hmm. So even though he was let go, he was immediately rearrested and brought down to Milwaukee County because pretty much he was now the prime suspect in that burglary. <laughs> He was questioned in Milwaukee by Police Chief Walter Hendricks of Appleton, uh, among other people, and Spanbauer admitted to the attempted rape of a 12-year-old Appleton girl and the rape of a 16-year-old babysitter in Green Bay. Hendricks told the press that Spanbauer was an apparent aggravated sex deviate. When confronted with evidence of the various burglaries, he at first denied things, but after a lie detector test threw up his hands and confessed everything to the district, district attorney. February 24th, 1960, so this is still, you know, all within this time frame, Spanbauer agreed to have all the charges from the various counties, you know, Winnebago, Milwaukee, Brown, all these different places. (laughs) (laughs) He agreed to have them lumped together with a trial to be held in Green Bay, which that's, I I don't know how common that is, but... Apparently, that's a thing you can do mm-hmm. instead of just having him bounce around the state. Just Let's just have them all try to one place, which technically you can do, I guess, because even though, you know, you're, tri- you're arrested and tried in a specific county, like there's state charges. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't see why you couldn't do yeah. that. It's just you never really hear about that. Yeah. He waived his right to an attorney. He waived his right to a pretrial hearing, and he pleaded guilty on all counts. He did say, however, the shooting of Cardinal was an accident. Judge Donald Gleason bound Spanbauer over for trial and held him on $6,000 bond, which sounds really low. He told the district attorney, because of the importance of this case, I will give it priority over others on the calendar. Indeed, he was able to set up trial only five days out. It's a pretty fast turnaround. And that I have a little note to myself here where I'm like, that's great that they got him in in five days, but I wonder what happens for things that were already <laughs> on the calendar. Like you, you just, just got to start p- like, pushing off or what? <laughs> well, I assume, but like, what do you do? Like, if 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 you know that you have to go to trial next week, and then all of a sudden, like your case gets bumped, that could be a major inconvenience. Yeah, but I mean, that's got to be pretty common because you think about it. If there's a case right before your case and that case ends up going long, it's going to happen. Yeah. So I, I bet you I bet you, if you do get called in for a case, like a lot of times it gets delayed and things like that because of just exactly what you're talking about. Okay. Well, then you maybe know? it's not so bad. It just sounds really, really inconvenient to have to do that. But uh, either way, so between... The arrest, him pleading guilty, and then going to trial. And it's going to be a very quick trial because he pleaded guilty. Mm -hmm. Um, Patrolman Clarence Kolb, or Colby, 
um, of Sheboygan was honored by the National Police Officers Association for his vigilance. He was the one who had caught Spanbauer prowling in Sheboygan. They made a big deal out of this. And indeed, I got to give him credit um, because, you know, like, guy going around, like, kind of like peeking into cars and stuff, that's pretty minor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but him actually following up and trying to stop this guy made a big freaking difference. Yeah. <laughs> because clearly you give him another week or two, like, not locked up, and he's not going to stop yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And it wasn't like he was doing this stuff slowly, man. No. Like, I think a couple times you talked about two instances in a day. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, he was very busy. February 29th, leap day. Judge Gleason sentenced Spanbauer to 80 years in prison. Wow. For his for eight of his various crimes, with a potential 45 more years that could be tacked on, depending on the outcome of exams they were going to put him through. The newspaper said that the court records they had dated back to 1904, and this was the strongest punishment in county history. Holy crap. Gleason had given out the maximum on each count. He said his sentence was not affected by passion or prejudice, but sound principles of criminal law, and he would let the punishment fit the crime. Gleason said the community would not tolerate the vicious nature of Spanbauer's revolting actions. By that afternoon, Spanbauer was driven to Wapan by the sheriff, undersheriff, and a deputy to ensure maximum security during the ride. Under Wisconsin's sex deviate law at the time, Spanbauer would go through 60 days of physical, mental, and social tests. If found to be a sex deviate, he could get additional time, and it could affect his chances of parole. During sentencing, in addition to the stiff prison time, Judge Gleason declared that he personally opposed any form of parole and said that doing so would be attended by great danger. Uh, wow, this guy really was not impressed with him, huh? Yeah, this judge was <laughs> this judge was pissed. Um, and he was, so he was brought to the state psychiatric hospital, given various tests. I don't know what those tests are, but given various tests, and he was declared a sex deviate. So uh, then he ends which, uh, up getting... I'm pretty sure we don't use that term anymore, but that's what they called him. So he had 80 years. They found him to be a sex deviant. Do you know what was added on? Because you said that if he got that, he could get more time. Is that correct? Yeah, he could just... have got up to 45 more, but I don't know exactly, exactly how much they added. And that took away his opportunity for parole or you just made it his, would just make it harder it just made it harder it would just make it harder it would like count against him at parole hearings and stuff it didn't revoke it or anything so but i mean since we have a part two to this obviously he ends up getting out at some point in time correct? yes so and is that when i'm the because what you just covered is not in the era that i'm familiar with correct but i do remember a spambauer thing when i was Yep. Okay, so this is after he gets out. This is basically part two. Is that? Well, I don't know how much I want to give away, um, but part two is even before the part you remember. Oh, really? Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> so this guy's literally a monster. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, like, oh, yeah. like, because, I mean, this wasn't, I mean, he started in the 60s. Yeah, I... I I don't think I'm giving anything too much away here um, because 
If you don't know the name David Spanbauer, I mean, that's I, – I don't hold that against you. You shouldn't. He shouldn't really be remembered. But he's he's well-known um, because he he technically qualifies. Some people will consider him to be one of Wisconsin's serial killers. And you'll notice at this point in our story, nobody killed. is killed. Yes. Uh, so he's not done. He's not done by any means. Yeah. So I guess, can you give us like, so part two starts, I assume part two starts of him getting out of prison. Yes. Okay. So can you tell us how long did he actually spend in prison before he gets? I don't want to give that away because that's going to be part of the story, but it's not long. Really? It's not long. Interesting. It's like ridiculously embarrassingly short how much prison time he had. So the wow, I, I I'm you're you're really doing a good job of building up part two because it's like like okay so the judge was brutally 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 yeah hard on him, and we can argue whether that's warranted, but it seems like this was an extreme yeah sentencing for it, and for him to do such little time is weird. Yeah, and no, and and what you. You're kind of your offhand remark there. Like, I was actually going to comment on that. Generally speaking, I don't favor very long sentences. I don't think that's helpful um, to the person. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's helpful to society. I think that this may be an exception to that because this guy is clearly a problem. You do not want him loose. It, and it sounds like, I, I mean, I'm adventuring a guess that in part two, he gets out and he just, I mean, he doesn't even take a break. He just yeah. picks up right where he left off and continues going. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Generally, I'm of the opinion that a long sentence, it's not helpful. I mean, it's it's setting them behind. And, you know, I, obviously I get people are like, well, you know, they're a criminal. Screw them. But still, like they're, it's putting them behind. They're going to get, they're going to get out. They're not going to adjust as well. They're not going to find employment and housing as well. And it's going to end up being a bigger burden on society down the road. That's my view. But this would be a clear exception to that. that. (laughs) Because if he does this much damage in 45 days, you do not want him out. Uh, This is not like a, oops, I made a childhood mistake. Or you need to give him significant time to learn from you know to get over the mistakes he made yeah but like if he goes in in two two years is not going to be enough to to adjust him from realizing that he doesn't want that lifestyle anymore which obviously it was well i like i i don't know if that's how long it was but it'll just be so it's longer than two years. years okay good <laughs> it's longer than two years but it's not it's not, not long. long so all right well this is really opening my eyes because i Apparently, with this story, I knew about a chicken nugget worth of it because I would never have imagined this guy started in in nineteen. Oh yeah, you're not alone. You're not alone on that. So, I I can give that away. Like, again, for people uh, listening at home, like to give give away our ages here. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're both in, both in our early forties, so we're remembering things from like the late eighties, early nineties. Significantly later than the 60s. Yes. <laughs> um, and this guy's still doing crap. And like- <laughs> what's so creepy about it is what I remember happening then 
what, is eerily similar to what you just talked about him doing yeah. in the sixties. It's not that much of a difference. No, it's and, it's very similar. In fact, it it gets worse, but it's very similar in, in how he does things. We'll we'll get there next time, but that it got major major headlines um, in our area because obviously, like he's doing this all over Northeast Wisconsin, so he's going to get headlines no matter what. But the thing that got him in trouble in our timeline happened in combined locks. Okay, that's what I. Okay, I thought it was little shoot, but but yeah, but I remember the guy actually he was caught in. Little shoot, if I remember right, somebody actually somebody like, like physically it, tackled him. Yeah, tackled him and called the cops, and that's how they brought him down. Yeah. The, so now we've, we've of, now we've given away, but that really doesn't give away the, the next, next part, part because so there's a lot more, more to, to it. it. <laughs> so, uh, no, I just wanted to just mention um, Alton Cardinal, the guy who was shot in the face. He lived up through 2006. He was 93 years old, uh, so he actually lived a very long life. For a guy who got shot in the face, did um, did he have like? Was it apparent that he had gotten shot in the face, or what, like you said, he couldn't talk for a long time? But did it eventually he, become just? He fine definitely and- recovered, but you know that's that's some facial scarring you're going to be stuck with. Yeah, he he lived to be ninety three, and he was a very prominent person. Like in, on top of being like an engineer and all this other things that he's professionally very good at uh he was also very passionate about his church and he would put together gifts for people as part of the ministry not just like going out saying hey come to our church but actually doing good works for people it used to be that foreign sailors would come into the port of green bay and they'd have nowhere to be for christmas so they'd take them in for christmas and and give them Christmas dinner and stuff like that. He'd go to the Brown County Jail, um, and he would uh, donate books to them, read to them who could not read. Um, so, like, very active guy. Like, this yeah. this did not make him disillusioned with humanity. He, he yeah. just kept giving back. And then the niece, uh, again, whose name I will not say, but the niece uh, ended up marrying and raising a family she went on to volunteer at a rape crisis center, um, and she pushed for truth and sentencing laws in the 1990s. Um, and truth and sentencing, there's some flaws in that as well. Like, that's a debatable topic. But basically, like, from her point of view, truth and sentencing is like when somebody gets sentenced, that means something. And you can see why she would care <laughs> about that. You get, When you tell the guy that I'm giving you 80 years, and you don't get half that's of that. Yeah. yeah, that's not okay. That's not okay. So, um, so she not in any way to say what happened was okay because it's not. But she turned it around and and actually made something you know out of it and really pushed for uh, improvements. And and I think that's amazing because the more and more I do podcasts like these true crime podcasts, I learn things like that the people that have a lot of these things happen to them. They're the people that are driving the movement to, you know, help people through these things and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think that's a great thing that, you know, even though they experience this traumatic thing in their life, it doesn't make them cower away from it, but rather they want to be there to help the next person that it goes through that same tragic thing. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think, think that- I think it's great. Like those are the most uh strong most uh, just amazing people mm-hmm. because 
you know, and, and not to judge people who don't. I mean, everybody's different and everybody responds to tragedy different. But but I would think, you know, your natural instinct is just to cower to, and, 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 and back that away. And ignore it ever happened or you yeah. know, try to erase it from your memory and stuff. And there's so many people that know they embrace it and they say, yeah, I'm going to help people that are experiencing the same thing. Yeah, and so that's really powerful. Great, great credit to both the uncle and the niece for going out and trying to improve their communities. So, yeah. So a little, little positive edge there. Yeah. So, all right. Well, are we, are we That's done? It. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. With that, keep in mind, this is part one of two of this. So make sure to come back in two weeks and check this, the next episode out and we will see you then. Yep. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in to Fox City's Murder and Mayhem. Join us in two weeks for another exciting episode of Murder and Mayhem.